Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. We're moving into the holidays. We are. You know what, though? After the intro, for some reason, the uh, Mario theme just came into my head. I think that's going to be my new like theme background every time we start our introduction. Just, just, in, just your, a, in your head? In my head. Okay. Oh, no, not. I You're not going to help that right. every That would time. be a, just in my head. Just, I just want you to know that's where I'm going. I'm like, if you want to go. my head. To a copyright battle with Nintendo, I will follow you into the dark. <laughs> we I will lose. I, I, do, I do not. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. But yes, holidays coming. It is, um, which are the most wonderful time of the year. My least favorite time of the year. For breakups. It's the most oh, wonderful time of the year for yeah. breakups. There you go. Um, yeah, in the U.S., more people break up this time of year than any other time of year. Which is really odd because I've, I've heard this as the cuffing season. You know that's. Did no, you know this I've never, term? Heard, never of heard of this term. No. Okay, so um, Urban Dictionary has defined it as during the fall and winter months, people who would normally rather be single or promiscuous uh-huh. um, find themselves, along with the rest of the world, desiring to be cuffed or tied down by a serious relationship. The cold weather and prolonged indoor activity causes singles to become lonely and desperate to be cuffed to an individual. Ooh. So this is called the cuffing season. Oh, I can't wait to see if this happens to me. No, <laughs> I get it. With be- me. <laughs> I get it because, you know, I don't have to, have to. I don't <laughs> uh, deal with a lot of, um, what is that called? It's not external relatives. Um, so I have my immediate family. Oh. That's where I, where I okay, spend the okay, holidays. Okay. And outside of that, I don't really have much interaction at the holidays anymore. But, you know, there's always the question of like, are you still single? What's right, going on there? Right. Um, so I get that kind of anxiety around it. Oh, me too. I, my family has a tradition in which they like to pay, take couples' pictures or family's pictures oh, whoa. Um, throughout. And it doesn't matter if it's just my immediate family, which involves me and three of our siblings and then their family, uh-huh. um, or if it's with my, as you said, external. I don't, I'm don't. i not really sure how to go about that. <laughs> uh, but, like, my cousins and all of that. Extended. They do it. It's extended. extended. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Y'all were doing this earlier. In we're the doing day it early on a Monday. We're a little, <laughs> little slower than normal. <laughs> yeah, that was already bad. Now it's even worse. Um, <laughs> but they also do it too, where they have family pictures and they do it in front of everyone, in mm-hmm. front of the fireplace. And I remember one year. And by the way, I've never taken anyone home for a holiday mm-hmm. except for friends who may need to stay. You know, may, may not have their family nearby and can't go home. I've never right brought anybody. That's just not something I do. Now my siblings have just started taking people home at 13. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then there was my nieces and nephew. Not most, not all of them, but a few of them started, like, at 15, 16, started bringing others uh-huh. with them. I'm like, this is so weird. To be fair, again, I think a lot of them would rather be with my family than their own family sure. or whatever the crisis was uh, yeah. at that time. Uh-huh. But, yeah, they, they have this habit of bringing people from a young age, and so I, I've never done that. It's never been an interest to me. I don't care enough, maybe. Um, but because of that, they would have a couple pictures, couple pictures, couple pictures, and then I would be alone, and my gra- my poor sweet grandmother, um, <laughs> and I loved her dearly, would be like, Samantha, you need to get up there, too. And I was like, that's okay, 
I'm okay. I don't need to be by myself in front of the damn fireplace. <laughs> but she would push me so hard. My mom would get angry with me for not doing it. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I was like, Mom, please, please, this makes me miserable. And right. she was like, you're right, you're right. And so one year, she was like, I'll, I'll get up there with you. <laughs> So it was me and my mom. Aww. Or maybe it was me and my dad. It was me and someone yeah, else that was sure. of significance, but not a significant other. Right. Yeah, so that was always fun for the holidays. There's so many reasons I don't like it, but that was one of the other reasons. But man, <laughs> if you had done that, you could make a calendar of Just all me? these pictures of you in front of the I should have leaned into it. I think it was yeah. partially like the shame of not sure. bringing, you know, as yeah. per usual, because my younger cousins would bring people. And mm-hmm. I mean, when I say younger, I mean like 10 years younger. Right. Would bring people and I'd be like, hey y'all, I'm going to sit in the corner. (laughs) All good. Don't look at me. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine over here. Um, I can understand why the holidays, they're they're stressful and then you're adding stuff like photos and meeting the family and I feel like I'm the type of person who would wait and break up on the other side of the holidays. Um, I've only taken a significant other home once for the holidays no, actually what happened was he wanted, he was a big cruise person, Ooh. and he wanted to do a long cruise over Christmas and New Year's, no. and so I was going to miss Christmas, and um, we invited my mom and my little brother to his place to have like a Christmas dinner, mm. and uh, that's when I discovered, because we spent most of the time at my place, uh, he had no nothing to cook with like so we had to go buy like pots and pans <laughs> and stuff and it was kind of a disaster uh, that would be when I'm doing a catered meal somehow I should have that was a, well I was trying to like replicate yeah, what yeah, I would have with homey. my mom yeah um, and then we went on a cruise and uh, we have all of these pictures of us like Christmas trees and New Year's and in Hawaiian shirts uh, usually for me, I'm just in athletic gear all the time. That was when I was training for a marathon, actually. Oh. Training for a marathon on, on a, a cruise boat? ship is hard <laughs> as hell. <laughs> um, I'm on a boat, running. Okay. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, we broke up not a couple months after that. And then the next year, my mom, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before. I think I have. But Bradley Cooper came to our office once. And, um, that's right, that's right. Yeah, she, I love the story. My mom became obsessed with the idea that I could marry Bradley Cooper. Because he was in the office, and I did not even know he was in the office. I saw him, and honestly, I thought it was another corporate guy. I was trying to avoid him. Um, turns out it was Bradley Cooper. Uh, <laughs> and my mom was, I think Shallow had just come out, mm-hmm. so she was in prime, like, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper mind. Yes. So it'd be like 9 p.m. on a Tuesday, and I'd get a text from my mom. You know he speaks French. <laughs> just no <laughs> giving context. you, like, <laughs> random facts about why you should be in love with this person and, and pursue him. Yes. I love it. I did, too. I thought it was hilarious. So if I for a sponsor, we had a sponsor that was like a gift card, a holiday card company, and I had no significant other. I don't have dogs. or I don't have, basically, it would be just me, like you were saying. Right. So I got the idea to Photoshop me and Bradley Cooper together in this Christmas card. And I got that wonderful Christmas card. It's so good, isn't it? (laughs) It's so good. And then on the back I wrote, you know, you were right, Mom, Brad, and I. (laughs) (laughs) And she thought it was true for like two seconds. (laughs) She believed it. Her heart stopped with joy. Oh, it's finally happened. 
But now my idea is every year I'm going to like up the ante and make more and more yeah. ridiculous photos. Which is awesome. I love cards. it. I wish I could have stuff like that. Um, up until about, and we'll, we'll stop with the personal stories, I know. <laughs> but up until about four or five years ago when um, a majority of my siblings, which is all of my siblings, mm-hmm. went through sad divorces, um, my mom at Christmas holiday traditions would be her yelling at me about how I'm going to die alone. Oh, gosh. Yes. So this is also another reason that I'm like, this is the worst season of the year. <laughs> Woo. So I should start doing that. I should do some photoshopping and be like, yeah. look, look what's happening. I'm dating this dude. I need to find a good picture of Chris Evans. Oh, oh that's just, okay. I need to like Photoshop myself being hugged by him. Okay. I just want I th- him to hold me. I can me. help you with this. I really want him to hold me. Okay. What, maybe one day. Sorry. Sorry. You know, <laughs> we're actually not talking about specifically this, we're talking about <laughs> heartbreak. So my mother was heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because there are a lot of different types of heartbreak. I feel like the one that most people think of is when your significant other, you break up or something. But there's a, a bunch of different types. And we are going to be talking a lot about clearly about that specific type of heartbreak. Right. But we're going to talk, talk about others. And it is. it does seem to be a cultural obsession of ours. Um it's hard to avoid, I mean, on a daily basis, as I was walking here, uh, I had Google Play on shuffle, and I think every song was about heartbreak. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's because I've been researching it, and Google knows everything you Google do. Google does know everything. Um, but I was kind of like, oh, yeah. And after I broke up with um, the aforementioned boyfriend, um, I remember all of a sudden these songs that I had been making fun of, I was like, yes, right. I feel it too. Right. <laughs> I absolutely understand that because they're still in the back of my head and all, still on my playlist too. So when I randomly shovel something, I was like, oh, that emotion comes up. Yeah. Like, oh, there's that feeling. I can't yeah, listen right. to this right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is funny how there's a part of, at least for me, there's a part of me that's Sometimes I'm like, I want to live in this emotion. And then other times I'm like, oh, God, no, right. please right. no. I got to avoid it with all costs. So I'm like, no Taylor Swift songs to touch play. <laughs> um, so w- one of the things we're going to talk about as well is something I know some of us have heard about. Um, can you die from heartbreak? Mm-hmm. And in my family, my grandfather died a month after my grandmother um, and we often say it was heartbreak. I don't know that that I probably wasn't that, but he was devastated when she died. Right. And um, I think he just kind of, I don't know if lost the will to live, but it became much harder right. for him. Right. There's, it seems yeah. like there's a swift decline mm-hmm. when it's like that. Um, I, with my grandparents, the same thing. I don't think it was, but maybe it's more so in our head. But it yeah. feels like it's a heartbreak about whatever situation right. has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, And in our past episode on emotional labor, we talked a bit about the stats around male widowers who have a higher mortality rate than female widowers. We've also done episodes on how to deal with heartbreak. Um, Some bad examples are revenge body. A not-so-bad example, I guess, is post-breakup haircut. It can be bad. It could be good. The bangs. Yeah. Women get bangs. I think all I did get bangs, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Even after I'd done that episode, I knew the traps and the pitfalls, and I did it anyway. <laughs> Have you done something like that? Uh, not necessarily haircuts. Um, I think I've definitely done, like, I need to get in shape. Yeah. All those things. I do the crying a little bit, but I'm also a little more motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I got to do anything but sit here and think about it. 
Right. That's kind of that. And I'm like, I'm going to volunteer for this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And then at night, I'm just like, I got to find a way to sleep, wear some melatonin. I got to hug my dog. Mm -hmm. I got to watch the same reruns, which is not unusual from any other day, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. I have my infamous story around the office of accidentally ordering 75 cookies in my, like, throes of of the post-breakup, the worst that got. It was 3 a.m., the cookie lady showed up at the door and was like, oh, honey, I know you didn't mean to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was crying when I answered the door. Um, and then I took, it was it was storming, and I took the box of cookies and destroyed them with the baseball bat outside. Oh, wow, that's dramatic. It was a Shawshank redemption, wow. but much less, like, meaningful moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's dramatic. Were you screaming at the cookies? I was like, cry, like scream, crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> In my head, I want to know that you threw a cookie up and, like, you would yell yeah. a or curse at him. Yeah, for every cookie. Every cookie. Yeah. And then the next day, I had, like, the grossest fleeting. I didn't do it, but I was like, I wonder if any of those cookies are salvageable. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You no. take them out the front yard. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. five cookies. I'm not mad at that. And then I have felt a new type of heartbreak since my dad died, which is a more kind of deep incurable sadness as opposed to, for me, that that post-breakup, which is really, I've, I think I've been through two that were really serious post-breakup, like grief. And those are more, I go through destructive rage right. um, and, and like angry crying, I guess, a lot of that. Um, and then I, um, after I left China, that was a really, a moment in my life that I would describe as heartbreak. And when I walked to work, uh, every day there's a smell, like a, it's like a oil, just cooking oil. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of China, and every day I feel like a, a pang. And that's been, I mean, I think 2010, 2011 yeah. years. So what if? Yeah, that's true, that's true. And I do think a lot of people, including myself, we we have kind of these markers of post-breakup or post-pet dying or post-whatever-traumatic thing. Because um, there are life-changing events. They're transformative, and you kind of... Right. They're milestones. Yeah. Like I said, um, I definitely feel what I do is kind of... I slip into the motivation mode, and that might go into, you know, post-breakup body type of situation. Um, I also do a, lots of different other activities, including, like, I torture myself mm. in sleepless nights. Like, I just sit there and talk about, think about, you know, what is wrong with me, essentially. Right. And, and then I dig deep so short background, y'all, mm-hmm. uh, about analyzing my actual diagnosis mm-hmm. and oh, wonder sure. why are these blah, 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 go yeah. back to my childhood. And then also grief is definitely something that brings whole new heartbreak, a loss or death of things that can't be healed without time and support uh, oftentimes. And of course, it's always going to be there because it's a part of losses permanent. <laughs> So because death is permanent, you know, and Mm -hmm. it sounds really obvious, but because of that, there's no backing into everything's going to be fine. We could redo this. We could redo that. Right. You know, you and I talked about this in our death and loss in in the um, Dutiful Daughter episode where there's always going to be a little bit of regret. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how perfect you think your relationship is, and it just is. Um, And then not as significant, I actually grieve over my dog still, Benny, mm-hmm. whom I called Bennington Ziggler because I just have to Aww. give him a full name. Um, and I couldn't sleep in the bed without him, and it took me years yeah. to even get a new dog, which we talk about peaches. And I'm, I'm already, like, I, I'm still kind of, like, shaken by the idea 
Yeah. Um, but it was weird for me, and I think this has a whole lot of different things. But when my grandfather died within the same year as my dog died. And right. I think my grandfather had to pass away, and then my dog died. And I grieved harder about my dog, but I think it was just a culmination of yeah. all the things that had happened. And right. it just felt even bigger, yeah. loss on loss. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then I felt that way in, the, in my career, in my job. I've mourned and lost, as in what I believe is failures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think I sometimes confuse my failure and anxiety as loss, mm-hmm. which is a thing to hard, stop. It's really hard to stop grieving over what could have been, yeah. what ifs. Um, but the recovery is faster. Hopefully, hopefully, if you can actually get on the right track, whatever mental health situation you have. But right. yeah, I think that was part of the bigger grieving process that I had to go through. It was being heartbroken because I felt like I couldn't do or save someone or, or you know, even yeah. still, like, actually it just recently happened because obviously I'm in the middle of um, doing two very different things right. as my job and career. And it, I reflect on what I was doing and I feel like partially I'm like, did I fail? Mm-hmm. If I leave or if I try something new or what, you know, what is this failure? So it's a weird, like, grieving process for sure and heartbreaking moments for me to think on those things. Yeah. Um, and we've both talked about how um, I went through a sense of heartbreak for, like, my younger self and feeling like she was a, a little sister that died. And that was kind of a pretty big grieving process. And through this show... um we've had to deal with that. I think for me, that was one of the first times I've like directly acknowledged it and dealt with it. Right. Um, but it was, it, it's pretty serious. And I mean, a lot of the things we're talking about, clearly heartbreak has major impact. It's so powerful. Um, it dictates a lot of our decisions. It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like fear. Right. Fear of heartbreak is such a motivator for so many people. Fear of rejection. That Definitely. Is, that kept me so... I know we're going to talk about it a little later, but that kept me from even trying to get into a relationship. Period. Right. Still. <laughs> Still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's scary. It is. Um, so one of the things uh, we, we like to do, of course, is our definitions. And as we said, we are going to be talking a lot about um, breakup heartbreak, but, you know, there are all kinds of heartbreak. I remember uh, having a, like, round table with the women. This was before you worked here, Samantha, but after Donald Trump was elected and the women in this office and, like, experiencing joint heartbreaks. So right. You can experience, like, political heartbreak, um, loss of a loved one, loss of a pet, loss of agency, traumatic injury. Um, there are a lot of things that will give you this kind of, like, heart pain that we're talking yes. about. That's deep depth. Yeah. Oh. According to behavioral psychologist Joe Hemmings, heartbreak is a, quote, state of devastating emotional loss. While different for all of us, the intense feelings of sadness, grief, and the overwhelming sense of never being able to get past the pain are common. And if we look at the brain, breakups trigger the same area as physical pain, and they induce the same symptoms as drug withdrawal, and not like drug withdrawal light. (laughs) I think like medium drug withdrawal. This is part of the reason we feel the need to send ill-advised late night texts or scroll through our ex's Instagram. Yeah, I did that. Oh, I no Uh, way. Mm -mm. I'm I'm a little weird with that. So we all go through heartbreak. Let's just say that heartbreak is universal. Mm -hmm. And on average, by the age of 30, most of us will have experienced three breakups, with one of them significantly impacting our quality of life for a period of time. And the number one reason reported for breakups? Lack of communication. No surprise to me. Yeah, right? (laughs) 
Um, and some symptoms of heartbreak include isolation, isolating yourself, numbness, volatile emotions, unhealthy eating, working all the time, or inability to work, mm-hmm. substance abuse, lack of sleep, um, just these feelings of being unlovable, damaged, deeply unworthy, like you'll never find happiness again. A study conducted by Christine Tompkins out of University of Rochester put forth that broken heart syndrome, a.k.a. stress-induced heart failure, is a real thing. This is also called stress-induced cardiomyopathy or Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Takotsubo is the name for octopus traps that look like broken hearts. Women are more likely to experience sharp heart pains in response to emotional pain. Further science has found links between mental health, depression, and heart disease. Broken heart syndrome presents very similar to a heart attack, shortness of breath, chest pains, minus the blocked arteries. What's happening is a part of your heart enlarges and kind of falls down on the job when it comes to pumping. But it usually only lasts a couple of weeks, and it is treatable. Yes. Um, And I did want to put in here, just as a kind of joking, kind of serious aside, there are some benefits to heartbreak. I mean, the main one is you learn a lesson, right? (laughs) Hopefully you learn something or you appreciate somebody, you know. Um, But for me, I never put on real clothes, you know. Uh, eat cookies or cheese, or in my case, apparently fun shishitos all day, every day. Um, watching the same movies over and over again with no judgment. My friends, as I said, watch How to Train Your Dragon with me probably three times in a row uh, recently. <laughs> and obviously, these aren't healthy in the long run. These aren't healthy habits to build. But while you're in the throes of grief, I would say acceptable. Yeah, I usually give people a time frame. Yeah, you do. I do. <laughs> uh, if you're going through a recent divorce, I'll give you a year. Okay, I'll give that's you a year. A, yeah, well, because it's a lot of like up and down, oh, and yeah, trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. Well, honestly, it's just like trying to figure out who you are again without right. that person. Long term relationship, probably the same thing. I'm going to give you a very long time, but then at one point, I'm going to be like, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I do this for myself. I think I do a shorter time frame for myself because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, okay, we got to do at least these things. But for for now, we can dictate exactly what you need. Like you can tell me exactly what you need, whether it's me coming in there and just sitting with you in the dark, mm-hmm. me leaving you alone for a small amount of time. I'm not going to leave you alone too often because I have to check in and make sure you're okay. <laughs> um, uh, and then when it comes to, all right, Maybe it's time for therapy, you know, like, right. which we all should do anyway. But it's definitely some of those I'm like, all right, yes, you need time. You need mourning for sure. But I'm going to be the friend that's going to be there for you. And if that means tough love, I got it. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> um, and again, we've talked about this a lot of times, but people experience grief in different ways. And it's like not linear. So one day you'll be, oh, I'm fine. It's finally over. And then the next day, oh, my God, it's never going to end. Right. You know, Lots of ups and downs. And people do. Um, experience it in a lot of different ways and a lot of different time frames. Um, so you you have the best knowledge of what you need, and you know grief is a it's a mysterious thing. So it's hard to it's hard to look at yourself and say I think I'll be fine. Grief given this, bitch. it is it is. Put that on a pillow and mail it to us, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just saying, you know. Samantha and I are very motivated, and I'm sure a lot of you listeners are. But sometimes time is the only thing. Right. Right. Uh, But we do have some other things we would like to talk about. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. (laughs) 
back. Thank you, sponsor. So we did want to talk about gender differences because there are some gender differences when it comes to heartbreak. Right. Uh, I bet a lot of you would guess that women have it worse, um, or at least they... <laughs> they're more open with it, I guess. More open, maybe they have all the feels, more feels. Yeah. Um, and we all know the stereotype of women. I, I've already said that this is a benefit of the breakup in your PJs, downing jugs of ice cream, through the tears. Um, and there, there is actually science about this, and the science is a little mixed. Of course it is. Yeah. People are complicated. People are complicated. I wonder how much of it is to... Um, because if you look at religious aspects, mm-hmm. a lot of the blame goes on women. Yeah. About something like relationships, marriage is falling apart. Falling apart, And, yeah. and the uh, responsibilities they have within a marriage and keeping a marriage happy. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, that whole thing of like blaming women for men cheating because mm-hmm. oh, you clearly weren't keeping him satisfied. Uh-uh. You have to keep it together. You, be, you have to be fit. Like actual um, books about from written by women in order to get husbands. Right. What is that called? Operation H-O-T? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's Uh, not good. (laughs) Yeah, actually the book Passion and Purity written by Elizabeth Elliot a long, long time ago was a big, huge thing. I actually read it, really dug into it, really just put myself all up in there. And it's not awful. There's not like, it's not awful, awful sentiments. Um, well, actually, yeah, there is. If we have, it's been a while since I've read it. I guess the whole idea of that purity in itself, which if we talked about as of recent TI, I know. Um, the purity tests and the purity rings are kind of gross in itself. They're yeah. kind of actually gross in itself. Um, to If you want to be a virgin, if you want to save yourself, it will, however you want to claim it, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's beautiful. You do you. But to have this like whole stipulation and this title is absurd in itself, but and especially placing it on young girls as a, their responsibility. But the same author w- would go around and talk about how if you're not keeping your body fit, you're dishonoring your husband. It uh-huh. was this whole thing, and I was like, what the hell? Yeah, what the hell indeed. Right, and it's some like, that. I think that has a lot to do with, and I know, again, we're, I'm getting off track because we're talking about heartbreak, but that level of responsibility being placed on women and females in general to say this may have been your fault yeah. as to why he cheated or this may have been your fault mm-hmm. as to why your marriage didn't last. Right. It's just really absurd. Yeah, and we're so ready to take it on anyway. It's like we're probably going to think that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, There's I know. so many things wrong with me. Uh, yeah. A 2014 study from a UK dating site found that men actually reported higher rates of love sickness and sadness after a breakup, even given that it wasn't, quote, true love. Um, that was the main difference. Men felt heartbreak in more situations as compared to women. The severity was kind of the same. When interviewed about this, this finding, a psychologist suggested it may be because men overestimate women's interests, and it therefore hurts more when women don't reciprocate their affections. And yeah, that's very heterosexual. Although I guess bisexual. Could be. Yeah. Uh, The study also found that men are more likely to engage in casual sex post-breakup while women are more likely to dive into work, party too hard, uh, comfort eat. That sounds familiar. A different study found the exact opposite. It concluded that women feel the pain of breakups longer and that new relationships don't necessarily help. The study also found as the number of breakups went up, women's overall mental health went down in a way that men's didn't. However, it did find that single women's mental health was higher than men's mental health. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I like that. I like that. 
<laughs> Women also reported feeling more physical pain. The study authors who came to that conclusion thought that this had to do with the fact that women, due to the general fact that we could get pregnant, invest more in relationships. This potential biological investment has made women choosier over time, which means the loss of a, quote, high-quality mate hurts more. The same study found that women come out on the other side as emotionally stronger and recover better compared to men. Multiple studies have found that both men and women find self-esteem within relationships, so it makes sense that after relationships end, it's a hit to our self-esteem. We feel a loss of identity. However, this self-esteem is arrived at differently. Women get it through connection, while men get it through social status. Generally, these are general terms. Because of these basic differences, men and women do typically experience heartbreak differently. Men are more likely to get active in some way, while women are more likely to reach out to their support group. Because in a lot of societies, women are allowed to be more open when it comes to emotions, women may actually move on from breakups more quickly than men. Um, And this is one of the many ways society influences how we grieve. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But this made me think about what happens when you don't want to be in a relationship. Uh, And this comes up in in my therapy, not infrequently. Right. Um, Because it does make me feel sometimes like I have no self-worth since people are always sort of like, where is your, you're incomplete, you're missing something. Um, I feel like society sees me generally as a waste. Um, It's made me do things I haven't wanted to do and try to fit into molds I don't want to fit into. Yeah, I think I was the same way. I felt abnormal because I didn't get into too many relationships either. Um, as in, do I have a mental block as to why I'm not looking as mm-hmm. hard as others or why I don't feel like I need to? Um, I never actually dated in high school, and I actually didn't date in college either. I think I went on the total of three dates, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any relationships within. Um, I think we had, like, piddly kid at, kiddish relationships, you know, we're, he's my boyfriend, we hold right. hands, you know, in high school or whatever, but never actually dated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until my mid-20s that I actually started to look. And a lot of that had to do with being open and, and, and feeling like I could be vulnerable. And because of some of the trauma that I'd experienced, it was not possible for me. Of course, I think I yearned uh, to be wanted. Like, that mm-hmm. is something that yeah. has always been um, at the forefront of my thoughts, but that's generally in everything, mm-hmm. whether it's my job, whether it's uh, friendships, that someone right. wants me there, essentially. Right. Um, and my desirability and, and my fear of rejection stopped mm-hmm. me. Um, now, I'm very comfortable in being single. I think I said that recently. Like, that is something that I know, and yeah. it's easy, and I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. So, to get into a relationship, is like, do I really want to compromise here? Right. Is this really worth my time? Mm-hmm. A study from 2018 out of the Journal of Experimental Psychology examined the effectiveness of three coping strategies, thinking bad thoughts about your ex, accepting your love for your ex, or distracting yourself with things that have nothing to do with your ex, which I like that option. <laughs> uh, they found that all three helped in some way, but a mix of these methods provided the most relief. So maybe listing one thing you don't like about a person, one thing you love, and then one thing that has nothing to do with them. I think we should practice that more often. Yeah. The study authors propose that removing feelings of love attached with an ex is the primary way to move on. They call this love regulation. Which I love. <laughs> I love love regulation, the term. Um, and they also, as always, recommend not making life-changing decisions during a life-changing time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't. It's it's so tempting because you're like, this will fix everything. <laughs> yeah, there are moments where I'm like, okay, 
I'm moving out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go to Antarctica finally for me. <laughs> Another study found that it takes about three months to get it over a breakup. Oh, I have taken so much longer than see, that. I give you a year. Yeah, that see you're being reasonable. I, I mean, it depends on how long you've been with right. someone. Obviously, right. I, I'm sure it that's does. like an average. It does. Like you'll always remember that, but still, I give you a full year before I'm like, okay, because my that year includes mm-hmm. you, and you shouldn't, but you probably dating around, maybe miscommunicating with people, mm-hmm. breaking a few people hearts. Not necessarily in that way, like doing non-committal things. With people, oh, you know, oh. so hookups and such. But yeah, I'm like, sure. right, I'll give you that. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll let you know you're being a dumbass. But I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be mad at you for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, then of course there are the comparisons between men and women in our media when it comes to breakups. Yeah, how women are so sad without a man in their life, and how men can finally live it up, be free, have hookups. Yeah, I was thinking of, um, and I know we did an episode on this forever ago, but the coverage of Jennifer Aniston, like she's the saddest person that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it was always like, well, it kind of did start off with the Brad Pitt thing. Yeah. That whole, he left you for Angelina Jolie, Jolie yeah. who was the ultimate sex symbol because you're the girl next door. Right. Figure. Yeah. And just like, you know, she would date somebody and then it would end and she's brokenhearted by the person she was dating. It's like, finally able to date all right, over again. Right. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I, mean, I think Jennifer Aniston's just okay. But <laughs> I mean, if you really think on it too, in that level, uh, Brad Pitt to me was even sadder because he would... Have you ever seen the pictures of him in different relationships with different couples, how he mimicked that style of the girl? Oh, really? There's this whole thing. He was thing one, through, of, the, one yeah. of those people. So you're like... So to me, he was always sadder because he's like, he has to have a relationship mm. in order to find his identity. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to go look that up. It's hilarious. So you see him with Quentin oh, Paltrow, and you're like, what? And then you see him with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, and you're like, uh, I'm Brad Pitt. Angelina Jolie and then um, Jennifer Aniston, or vice versa, yeah. Jennifer Aniston, but he looks very different and oh. very much like that person. How interesting. <laughs> in those pictures. There is a Parks and Rec episode about that. Yes. Um, I know you've never seen Star Wars, and this is not the one I would recommend, but in episode two, Attack of the Clones, uh, Padme, a.k.a. Natalie Portman, has the infamous line, Anakin, you're breaking my heart! (laughs) (laughs) That's like the first thing I thought of. I love the enthusiasm in that line. Oh, yeah, you got to do it. You delivered it amazingly. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if you pick just randomly three pieces of media, I bet one of them has to do with a broken heart. And... I, in a way, I I believe we romanticize heartbreak in a lot of ways right. in our in our media. And when I was younger, I wanted to have a love that was so powerful that the heartbreak would hurt right. as much as I was seeing uh, on TV or in movies. Right. Um, and so I like I had um on my binder a poem that the W. H. Autumn poem "Funeral Blues." I was really into. The beauty and grief. Right. It's also very emo. <laughs> right. Aren't we all? I, well, you and I were. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I kind of, I was thinking about a bit more and I, maybe we, what we romanticize is self-destruction or maybe it's a combination of two things of this love that we always see and then right. the self-destructive. We, we love broken things though. That's kind of why we like shows that have broken people in it. Yeah. So you think of um, 
my so-called life is all about broken people. Like, mm-hmm. you just love that, and, and you want to fix Jared Leto real hard, <laughs> real hard. And the people who seem to get it together, keep it together and be happy were the uh, antagonists or the bad guys in the, oh, in the show, essentially. So the nerd, it was kind of like, like he was too smart and got mm. it together. And then the girl who had the family and, and was a cheerleader was also not the great one when you had all of these other things that mm-hmm. were happening that were more interesting, whether it was a drug overdose or whether it's, you know, and it's, it's definitely, and I say broken people, but it's outcasts as well. Uh, and that's yeah. that level of we're very interested in, we, we feel that and we feel, oh, good, we're not alone, we're hurting. That's true. Uh, oh, and speaking of, do you have a favorite uh, heartbreak breakup song, Samantha? Oh, I have, so I have a few. Okay. So I had several Elliot Smith songs. Uh-huh. Of course. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go down that sure. road. Sure. Uh, Death Cab. Uh-huh. I definitely had a few of those songs up to me. I think they had one of the best. Um, uh, I'd Hate My Father songs. Oh. Um, and it's somewhat upbeat, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. oh. Like, in one, of the, in the, one of the lyrics is talking about how his father died, and the priest is uh, talking all these great things about him. He's like, you're a bastard in life. You're so you're a bastard in death. Like, it's a great line. And then I'll like <laughs> them trying to send his ashes out and it falls back into his eyes. He was like, yep, that's right. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> it's kind of like that level. Oh, okay. Of course, I'm ad-libbing things. Um, but even some old school Drake okay. got, got into my playlist at all one right. point. Um, and of course, the Jimmy Eat World. There were several, several songs that I would just angrily sing and then a few like, Ooh. <laughs> but I would cry too. I had, I had several. That was one of my first concerts. No, Jimmy. Rowan. What about you? Uh, I think I, I have a a ton of um sad sad songs, but I don't really have too many that I would go to after a breakup. But I have songs that if I listen to them, I will cry. Um, because that music is really moving in that way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Music is powerful, and I think that's why people connect so hard. Um. With sad songs. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants uh, my playlist, I have a playlist called Grief, and I will share it if anyone wants it. But they'll make you cry. I'm good. I got my own. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you know what? If you don't want that, we have some advice on how to, like, not cry. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Not necessarily. Maybe that's not true. We have some (laughs) advice for you. But first, we have a quick break for work from our sponsor. Try it out. True. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So we do have some advice, even though a lot of you have probably heard this. We've all probably heard a lot of the basic ones. Right. And uh, find a hobby is a big one. You've sort of talked about that. Exercising, eating well, um, sleeping as best you can, talking out with friends, reading a book, volunteering, taking tiny steps to make yourself feel normal again. And this is a big one. Yeah. A lot of experts recommend unfollowing your ex on social media yeah. and, remi- and removing reminders of them from your life. Stop all contact if possible. I'm going to, I actually just looked up <laughs> yeah. my ex's stuff the other day because I was in the conversation and we're talking about past whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. No. No, actually, it's kind of like, huh, surprise. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and I think I'm in a, Especially if you're in a really bad place. Oh, yeah. And then you start comparing your life to theirs. Oh, no. Don't do that. Don't do it. Yeah, I still meet up with my ex semi-regularly. That's odd to me. Yeah. To me, like, my exes or my pasts, 
they go into the land of nowhere. Right. And to me, they oh, just they disappear. don't exist anymore. They disappear. Right. I never hear, like, I'm, of course, I just talk about stalking, but I would <laughs> never, ever, ever want to run into them. I never right. wanted to see them. I'm like, they shouldn't exist. Okay. So coming back to be like, you're friends with them? That's weird. Uh, yeah, which I'm is, the opposite. Which is healthy. Right. I'm. Yeah, I never look at the, well, no, it's not that I never do. I'm just not on social media that much, much anyway, so I just don't run into that problem that yeah. often, but I do see him in um, real life IRL. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it does make me sad. Like, you know, we used to be so close and yeah. now it feels sort of awkward. Um, but you think about like, you kind of lose friendships too. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, you, you got your divide friends them. that are gone. You got to divide them. Yeah. It's just, just how life is. Yeah. Um, one big one is doing some intro introspection, um, ask yourself what it was that you liked about that person, and if you can find those qualities in someone else. This is easier to do a bit later in the grieving process. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you you have those moments of, I hate that person, I hate everything about them. But there was something, hopefully, that you were attracted to, and it, maybe that's an unhealthy thing. Right. Maybe it's a healthy thing, but maybe right. it's unhealthy. But finding out what it was is always you know, is always a learning experience. Right. Right. You can you can move on and to bigger and better things. Um, okay. And then writing about it, making art about it, uh, using it to create. Yeah, I write a lot more when I'm sad. I will say that. Me too. Um, allow yourself to feel. Be honest with yourself. And if that's, you need to cry a little bit or you have to sit and watch the same movies repeatedly, that's fine. If you just want to sit in the dark for a couple of days, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But eventually, yes, you do need to Shake it off. <laughs> That's when the Taylor Swift comes out. Yes. Um, and always good to communicate with the support group in your life right. what's going on so that they can help you and provide that support. And, of course, the unpopular but true time. Time heals most wounds. Most wounds, it yeah. makes It makes things easier. Hopefully. Hopefully. Eventually. On that positive note... That's what we have to say about heartbreak today. But I am really excited to share some listener mail that we received. Yes. Kate wrote, Although the most wonderful time of the year is over, Halloween, (laughs) as a fellow horror fan, I thought I would send you some recommendations just in case you need more. Always send recommendations. Yes. Um, One, Cut of the Dead. It is on Shudder UK. Not sure if it is on the US version. It is a zombie comedy. The first half hour may be a little confusing, but stick with it. It is great to watch with a crowd. Also, if you like zombie movies and haven't already seen it, Train to Busan is great. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good one. I sobbed at the end, terrified again, and on Shutter UK, a Spanish language movie that I found unsettling to say the least. Knives and Skin. I saw this at Fright Fest this year, UK Horror Film Festival. It isn't strictly horror, but has Twin Peak vibes and has been described as a feminist noir. Ooh, yeah, I really loved it. Looks like it's not available until December. I know you like the superhero genre. In case you also like manga, I highly recommend the TV series Attack on Titan, a horror fantasy show. I often think about whether the horror genre is a feminist genre. Women are always telling men there's something out there, there's something wrong, and the men are consistently gaslighting them, ignoring their concerns. Before too long, everyone's dead apart from one final girl. Maybe the true horror is the patriarchy. Horror movies would be over in five minutes if people listen to women. I love, yeah, you start thinking about all of the things that could have been mm-hmm. solved. You're like, what? 
why? And then you have to be, oh, because the movie would not be a movie. Right. <laughs> we would have no horror movies. What I find interesting is that it is mostly men making horror movies, but yet they don't seem to learn from what I think is the key message of the movie. Listen to women. There are some good podcasts on horror if you are interested. Just suggesting a couple. She Kills, which explores horror through a female lens, and The Evolution of Horror, which explores all the different horror genres and how they developed. As you grew up with the Scream franchise, you might be interested in this eight-minute documentary called Copycat, which suggests it may not be as original as everyone thinks. Oh, I love all of this. I love the suggestions. Um, Please keep those coming. And another listener wrote in with some different suggestions. Kim wrote, After listening to Feminist Movie Friday, Alien Edition, I am mailing in. I'm a 34-year-old woman who enjoys lots and lots of horror movies. Feminist horror movie plot lines to think about. Last House on the Left, this is so graphic, trigger warning for rape, etc., parents getting revenge. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Final Girl Survives because she doesn't do stupid stuff. Midsummer Hereditary, The Descent, Everything, The Witch, Female li- <laughs> Liberation, Live Deliciously, I Spit on Your Grave, Revenge, Graphic, Questionable, Halloween, Sorry, Laurie Does Everything to Survive and Kill Her Nutty Brother, which makes her badass, Who Cares If She's a Virgin, Jennifer's Body, For That Matter, Anything Diablo Cody Ever Wrote for Film, Night of the Comet, Zombie Fighting Valley Girls, It's Campy But Great, The Craft, Marianne, which is new on Netflix, Also, you mentioned Ripley being the start of strong female characters like Buffy, but I couldn't help but think of Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. She was one of the baddest of the badasses post-Alien. Thanks for covering anything horror. I feel like we ladies don't get fair representation when weighing in on reviews or being part of this community. You're welcome, and I will happily do so always. Kim later followed up with more suggestions after our Monster, our Female Monster episode, uh, Misery, Kathy Bates. Obviously. Uh, the audition. Certainly horror, but perhaps also just considered Asian extreme. Yeah. High tension, which is French. Hand that rocks the cradle. Um, single white female. Swim fan, the crush. That's, a, yeah, a big genre. Yeah. <laughs> evil dead. All the women are possessed by demons and made to do evil, gross things. This was a choice by Raimi. Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Sharp objects. Also the short from Tales from the Dark Side movie. Um, also, this movie sucked, but it's worth mentioning. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> the Neon Demon. Starry Eyes. A woman moves to L.A. trying to get her big break. She is willing to do anything. She spirals and kills all of her terrible roommates and then turns into an alien after totally rotting and falling apart. I can't remember this title. Help me. LOL. I have seen that movie. I'll get back to you about that when I remember what it is. Um, Eyes Without a Face, which is a black and white French monster movie. I can see this influenced later in other horror movies. So if you wanted some suggestions for horror, these listeners got you covered. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't know. I've only seen like two of those at the bottom list. I've seen, those? I've seen a lot of them, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Well, you've got some fun homework to right. do. And then you and I, because she mentions, and they both mentioned a lot about like mothers. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked about that previously. We did. Uh, some shout outs to different podcasts that we want to highlight because they're amazing and led by women or females. Um, the Scam Wow, oh, which is super nice. fun. Uh, uh-huh. Sue, and Ka- Sue and Katie talk about different scams, including. And I didn't listen to the one, the wedding industry. Yeah. And poop tea. And oh, I was like, oh, boy. I like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's also to go with our heartbreak. Yeah. This is why I'm single with Amy and Amy and sometimes Chuck. Uh, they talk about the good, the bad, and the worst in relationships, and all the way from divorces even to boobs. 
And you, I, you know, I, I love anything that talks about any of those things. <laughs> uh, well, there you go, listeners. And if you have any suggestions for things we should shout out, horror movies we should be watching, our next Feminist Movie Friday, I know there's been some talk of the craft, uh, please yes. write in. You can do so at our email address, which is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I'm never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 